You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What is up? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Van Flip Podcast, brought to you by Lamb Goat, obviously. Today I am joined by Kurt Weinstein. Sorry, let me turn up my volume. Kurt has been doing the damn thing for decades now, decades upon decades. Um... When I was a younger younger lad, even most recent years, when I hear people in bands talk about you, Kirk, they talk about how much of a riff magnet you are and just generator of epic, uh, memorable riffs throughout, whether it's Crowbar, Down, or any of your many acts that you've been, you've shared time in. Uh, I know most recently you're part of this new super group, which we'll, we'll definitely dive into, uh, featuring some members of Typo Negative and such, but... Um, yeah, man. I just want to say welcome to the show. It's been it, I've I've been a fan for quite a while. I've I've known about your bands probably since I even like knew what guitar riffs were or what heavier music mm. was. So uh, thank you for your service in the industry, so to speak, and thank you for your time being here, man. Absolutely, my pleasure, man. Um, one of the things I've always was curious of because uh, you're you're from um, the New Orleans area and, and Louisiana, and I'm not that far away. I'm I'm based in North Florida. Uh, but I, I'm curious to know, like, where did, like, the sludge, doom, stoner, metal kind of thing kick off for you? Because, like, you kind of always had kind of done that ever since you, you know, you were in, like, a cover band, you know, in the very, very early, late 80s. But, like, you know, Crowbar and Down just kind of always seemed within the same vein of, like, that sludgy kind of sound. So I've always was curious as to, like, how that, you know, entered your brain or, you know, permeated the your thoughts um for me personally and like my journey with what ended up being crowbar was really started uh myself and jimmy bauer um uh, you know from my god who mm-hmm. plays drums down um we both you know at the time it was late 80s and i'd given up on the cover song thing you know it, it just wasn't for me uh I mean, you know, I got a lot of good friends that make a great living doing it, and they do it very well, and my wife and I enjoy going to see their bands, but it's just not for me, so I kind of had given up on that and joined a kind of punk band for a little bit and just, you know, was kind of trying to really find what I liked, and I liked so, so many different styles of music at that time in the late 80s. But I think, like, me and, and Jimmy Bauer one day just looked at each other and said, Dude, everybody's playing a thousand miles an hour and blah 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 blah. Let's just do the exact opposite. So we really, of course, Sabbath is a huge part of right. what we do. Uh, I mean, you know, who who that plays heavy metal of any any genre is not a Sabbath fanatic, but um, but really, you know, bands like uh, like Carnivore, mm-hmm. uh, 
Peter Steele's uh, pre-Typo band was a huge, huge influence on on what turned into Crowbar. Um, really, I was I was heavily into East Coast uh, hardcore stuff at okay. the time, you know, as well. Uh, I mean, of course, Agnostic Front, the Sick of It All. Uh, at the time, you know, I was in the bands like Judge and uh, mm. just all kind of different shit. Uh, you name it, I, you know. Uh, and Carnivore, like the Retaliation record, their second record, was more of a combination of hardcore meets Sabbath. So we were really taken more at the time from the slow parts of Carnivore and also... Uh, you know, bands like uh, the Melvins yeah. uh, are a huge influence. Uh, definitely a one-of-a-kind band. No one sounds like them at all. Not for everybody, but definitely for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we just we wanted to do our own thing, but kind of take uh, our influences from different things. I mean, I'm 58 going on 59 years old, so it's like... I was really, I was around from the beginning almost of, I was still in high school when Thrash was created basically. And of course, you know, I had the, you know, Kill Em All and Fistful of Metal and Killing Is My Business, Megadeth and, you know, Exodus, Bonded by Blood, all the stuff I was out of high school. I think maybe by the time Bonded by Blood came out, but really into all that. And in my cover song bands, we played a lot of, a lot of Thrash Mm. covers and our originals were uh, borderline thrash as well and i just kind of got where i wanted to do something different so it really uh the whole sludgy type thing for me with crowbar uh came more so from sabbath the melvins and and like the slower carnivore parts which were basically sabbathy things just even just way if possible even heavier and and uh weirder you know mm-hmm. so um and you throw in uh, bands like Trouble, uh, okay, stuff like that. It was really Trouble's one of my favorite bands of all time. Saint Vitus. Uh, so you know, Bauer and I started really getting into all of that stuff. And when we had Todd Strange join us, we were a three piece originally. And uh, when he joined, he was into the same stuff, you know. So we really. Uh, you know, we basically got the idea to tune down low from, you know, the Melvins were tuning low a bit, but I mean, the, the carnivore thing was really low. So that's basically where we stole that from. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say it, you know, no, no doubt, but, um, uh, you know, the same thing with down, it's, it's kind of like down is influenced of course by Sabbath, but by, Trouble and Vitus and Witch Finder General and, uh, of course, uh, a bit of Southern Rock, you know, Skinner and stuff like that as well, uh, just because of where we're from. And, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, Skinner's such an amazing fucking band. You know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm well aware they're, you know, they're from my hometown here. So <laughs> Yeah, are you Jacksonville? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, being, you know, down has a bit of that Southern edge more so, uh, that true Southern style, right. you know, that, that uh that crowbar it, it, they call it southern sludge but it's really you know we don't have any skinner influence really uh other than attempting to write great songs you know which uh, the, any band that influences me that's 
that's priority number one. It's not just about riffs. You got to have songs too. But yeah. uh, but you know that's kind of where it all started. And the whole scene down here was doing the same thing. Not that anybody really took from one another. It was just you know you had Exhorter who were like the absolute kings of thrash down here. Yeah, and a couple of bands trying to do what Exhorter was doing, but it but not really getting it done much you know the only other extreme band that that really kind of went anywhere really was, was Solon Green our, to, mm. our drummer Tommy Buckley uh, is the original drummer for Solon Green and I think they're actually getting together this summer to do some stuff Ooh, which is great to hear yeah interesting great band. so they they even went took it further you know but like as far as just straight up Slayer type thrash but even more technical you know Exhorter were kind of that was their their thing and they were the kings of that so we tried to just do something completely different to maybe stand out a bit and also because we couldn't play like that to be honest, we couldn't yeah that, that seems to be like the case for a lot of limit stuff. like to, okay i can i can do you know i can play ride the lightning i can play fucking this and that and the other thing and then when you look at what exhorter were doing it was kind of like no nah, you know the, yeah Give me the wow, go, go, any day. Yeah, you know that seems to birth a couple. That that seems to birth a lot of uh, alternative genres when you know they when people, not just yourself, but when other bands or artists want to mimic something that they've kind of heard, but they can't really produce it. So they just do their like best attempt at it, and that you know sometimes changes trajectory of music in general and it becomes its own little thing so it's interesting that, yeah, totally. that you know you you have the same kind of thing that happened um what is it about like the area new orleans area uh where you're from that kind of birthed that whole vibe you know what i mean like because you see you know when i think of like when most people i would assume most people think of new orleans they think of like big party times and, like you were saying cover band and that made a lot of sense you know that you were you know, attempting a cover band in the beginning because I, you know, whenever I go there, it's just cover bands along the, you know, at least Bourbon Street. And, um, yeah, I got, I've got good friends that play down yeah. there. And that's why when you said, like, we'll see it sometimes. It's great. Yeah, when people are making good money doing that, I can totally see that because that is a big, there's a big market there. But, like, what, what makes New Orleans, like, such a, you know, because then obviously you have Phil and you doing Pantera, uh, not Pantera, uh, uh, down and stuff like that so it just seems like that area is very synonymous with that kind of sludgy sound and I didn't know if it's because you guys are you know a little under the ocean uh, or, or, or under sea level so it's got to be a little swampier a little sludgier but what what is it about the area that causes that hey what's up it's Lurk looks like you're enjoying the podcast if you are and you like what we're doing here on the van flip why don't you go ahead and pause this and give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to if you want to find out any information on your favorite bands from the hardcore and metal scene, visit lambgoat.com. And to stay in the loop about everything that we post on lambgoat.com, make sure you like us on Facebook and you head over to Twitter and Instagram and follow us at lambgoat. Are you a full-grown adult and you also have a TikTok account? Congrats. Follow us on TikTok as well. You can find us under the username lambgoat.com. That's spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M. Head over to our YouTube channel where we have all of these podcasts in video format plus a lot more content that you should check out. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and you hit that notification bell so you're always alerted when we upload new content. And last but not least, if you want to follow me, Lurk, the host of the show, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at LurkCity. And as always, if you need any of the links that pertain to the artists on the show today, Lambgoat or myself, you can always find them in the description. Thanks for listening to this message. Now let's get back to the show. 
Well, I mean, some of it's like, you know, one thing about like drummers down here can all swing behind the beat, you know? Mm, yeah. It's, just, I think, subconsciously, and this, uh, this is really not, I'm kind of off topic a touch, but not really. You know, subconsciously, we all grew up on New Orleans musicians and New Orleans bands like the Funky Meters and Devil Brothers, Dr. John, you know, Professor Longhair, whatever, you you know, like that's just what got played by our parents at parties and barbecues and crawfish boils and, you know, around uh, Mardi Gras. That's basically the style of music you hear more than anything is New Orleans funk and, you know, blues stuff and whatnot. But, um, I mean, there's really no explanation. It's just the scene is so... New Orleans geographically is such a small place. We're basically an island. We're surrounded mm-hmm. by water. So, you know, there's... Uh, you know, back in the day, in the in the 80s, going to uh, punk and hardcore shows or early, you know, metal shows, it was the same people, you know. Um, I mean, that's how we all met each other, just going to shows and, you know, having some beers together or something, talking music, and next thing you know, yeah, you're going to such and such in two weeks, yeah, I'll be there, you know, and you see a guy there, you know. Um, back in the day when you had everyone's phone number memorized, you know, so you knew everybody's <laughs> number, yeah. you know, put it in, and, uh, you know, but, yeah, we call each other up and meet out at shows and stuff, and uh, it just kind of grew from there. It was a real natural thing and we didn't i mean look we wanted to do something original down here in new orleans and put ourselves on the map as having our own sound and you know within the confines of heavy music but you know we didn't really it wasn't it wasn't like a planned assault or something on right. on like okay you know we're gonna be this it just happened yeah you know, every band that started up just was everybody has stuff in common i mean even even like Solon Green, their slow parts sound like, okay, it, it's, you know, it's slow, it's heavy, it's sludgy, whatever it sounds like. And then they go into blast beats and shit, and it's like, okay, it's a whole different world. But even, um, you know, uh, like Godor, for instance, when they go into the slower shit, you know, it's yep. Sammy's a huge, huge Celtic Frost fanatic and Tom G. Warrior, which, you know, uh, who isn't? Or should you should be if you're not, but... Yeah. When when he kicks into slow stuff, even with Acid Bath, you know they they were a little bit after, a, a little later, but the slower stuff is just it's it's the heavy, slow, swampy kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think it was intentional on anybody's part. It's just we all ended up being influenced by, for the most part, the same fucking bands. Yeah, start out with you know, okay, you got. You know, I mean, I'm still Motorhead's one of my favorite bands ever. But you know, you got Priest and Maiden, you got Saxon, you got, you know, uh, whatever. You know, the, the whole new wave of British heavy metal thing, and you mm-hmm. throw Accept in there from Germany, and that those were my favorite metal bands. You know, um, at the time, and then you would discover there's something. Well, how can it get heavier than Iron Maiden? You know, or how can it get heavier than fucking you know, well, then you start, and speed is not necessarily heavy. I find slower is heavier, but Correct. at yeah, the time I, I thought it was. I couldn't, nothing could be fast enough, you know? And uh, so, you know, we all discovered uh, thrash metal, and as it evolved, you know, like anything else, it had been around for a good while by the time we started 
slowing things down and trying to do our own thing. So there were so many bands out there was becoming a bit watered down, a bit oversaturated, in my opinion, at least, you know, where you, certain bands really stood out and those bands are all pretty much still here doing it. Some of them doing extremely well, like Metallica, for instance. But, right. um, you know, uh, for us, we just wanted to do something different. And I mean, that's really the honest honest truth is is that everybody down here knew one another at least as an acquaintance that shows you bump into a guy at the grocery store yeah hey, what's up dude you know you, yeah he goes to the to the shows and um uh, it just kind of grew and, and like i said it was it wasn't an intentional thing it just happened and thankfully people dig it you know all these years later did it take any time for it to catch on or did you know what i mean like because obviously like you were saying, there was a the totally different scene prob- prior to that, and then you guys, you know, all kind of consciously made this effort to kind of do your own thing and set, you know, new, the New Orleans scene apart. But, like, did it take any time for it to catch on locally? And obviously, like, it, you know, was it kind of curious? Uh, I was curious to see, like, your how you guys took it taking on outside of New Orleans and outside of Louisiana. Like, were you surprised that people were, you know, interested in what you guys are doing, what guys go whore and all these other bands were doing around that time? Um, it really outside of the area down here, it took a long fucking time to really be accepted. You know, I mean, when you look and of course I forgot I wasn't even thinking about it, I forgot to throw I hate God into the mix as right, well. Right, yeah. So I mean and they're really much more like to me they're like Crowbar's got a metal edge even though we're not you know what you call traditional metal where to me i hate god's more of a punk attitude we have more of a hardcore attitude and there is a huge difference between punk and hardcore there really is even though they're similar in, in a lot of a lot of ways but um you know um it took a long time for us, us all to get accepted and it's kind of funny that you know 30 something years later you know everybody's you know young kids are in the front front and i'm like this is great you know it's like you know the dads are bringing the sons and daughters and it's a whole new generation and thankfully and uh you know i mean i mean you know my intentions were like for me my dreams came true i never dreamt of being a rich famous rock star or any of that bullshit and i'm none of that i'm just a hard-working dude who loves fucking writing riffs and jamming you know and uh so i'm able to do that granted it's it's with the addition of i am i'm in three well if you want to throw in uh kingdom of sorrow which we do every once on a blue moon yeah four bands and i have my second uh kirk winston solo record that's going to be coming out too so that's five fucking projects so in order to make a living i have to play yeah constantly <laughs> grinding you know yeah. five fucking things on and off uh to make to make things happen but you know what it's it's what I love to do. It's what I've always wanted to do. So, you know, there's no bigger blessing than being able to, you know, the the not to be cliche, but the old uh find something you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. You know. Yeah, well, it's true. very hard work for those of you who have never toured on the level that we do. It is not and I I mean, you know, and down at the height of down, I mean, we've you know, we had two buses and a fucking oh, yeah. equipment truck and you got your own five-star hotel on days off and all this shit and room service and a whole nine yards you got to experience all that stuff and hey it's nice who would say it's not you know but 
you know, back to reality and crowbar just like oh, hey god go to war and everyone else that we're talking about right now who's still out there pounding the pavement constantly are a complete diy band i mean right. we have us four band members and my wife who does merchandise and tms in the states and then we have a, a different tour manager for europe and and you know other parts of the world um but you know i mean we don't have guitar techs we don't have a sound guy we don't have any of this shit. we just set our bring our shit in set it up to a sound check you know i go drink a few beers and we fucking hop up and kick rip ass it. for it. yeah just rip it well there's something to be said about that too i mean i think that um i think a lot of people enjoy that aspect about not only you but your projects is and and a lot of bands like that like good horror and i hate god and everything that are just diy because you know you can go to there's pick a day of the week and you can go somewhere any venue and you're going to see a band that's not necessarily diy and it it, it's, it could be an enjoy enjoyable night but you know there's something to be said about the bands like you said like the guys that grind five five acts you know five bands five projects at a time just to kind of make it happen which is curious like how do you juggle all that? I mean, obviously, like, you know, Kingdom doesn't, like you said, Once in a Blue Moon, Down doesn't do as, it's not as uh, active as it used to be, like you said, in the heyday. And, and obviously, like, Phil's doing his things with Pan the Pantera Union and whatnot. But, like, how do you Absolutely. juggle it? Every, how, how do you, how did you juggle it at the height of, you know, Down? And how do you kind of still do to this day, like, compartmentalize, like, what your schedule will be for the next like year or two because like you have to plan that ahead if you have all these things going down yeah, so like i mean you do and it's kind of like you know down is back to being a side project which it was started as and then along the way it became our main band for quite a long time mm -hmm. you know um i think it's a lot there's a lot of pressure and stress put on you in a band like that when it's doing great you know um to continue to do great and um i think that in the big picture of things we're all happier doing down the way we do it i i personally would like to do it more often not crazy like we used to do you know <laughs> but um you know more and why, than, why is that though if you don't mind me asking like why would you want to do it more often is it just more of a like a do you find that you have more fun in that band because it's like not as serious or not as like strenuous to like the metal world because it, it does dive into different genres like you have different that band i always found like overlapped a lot of audiences right like you would have like the mainstream rock crowd but you could also have like metalheads and like dudes that are in the underground DIY scene, hardcore scene, still fuck with down, even though, like like you said, you're five-star hotels, you play in OzFest, you got bus tours and all this other stuff. It felt like you were always still connected to the underground, but also into the mainstream rock world, too, a little bit. Um, I mean, for down, the reason I'd like to do it more, it's not, it's not, I mean, obviously, we make great money. I make more money, you know, when we, we all, well, not filled with Pantera. But, right. That's a different uh, level, different level. You know, if you put that that on the side and think about it, you know, we all make out better financially when we work with them. But since we parted ways together with, you know, myself and the rest of the guys in 2013 and I rejoined in 2020, it's like everything is when we were really, you know, like like when it when it becomes your main band and it becomes where it's it's so much about about business and stuff like that and it really is whether you like it or not it is um 
you know, it like I said, there's pressure and there's stress that's just not there anymore. Mm. It's like now when we get together and we do a gig, it's just fun. You know, yeah. you're jamming, you're playing wonderful music that you wrote with guys you've fucking been knowing since you're teenagers. And uh, it's just fun. You know, it's great. And, and the crowds are great. You know, the fans are great. Uh, but I mean, then again, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, all these different projects are just like your children. You love them all. And they all, I mean, I did an interview earlier uh a zoom and i was telling 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 the journalist you know it's like um i'm trying i'm kind of getting off of my train of thought and i'm really trying not to oh uh with if i'm gonna do five different things i don't want them all to sound the same what's the purpose so i like so many styles of music like my guitar playing style with down is completely different than it is with Crowbar, which is completely different than Kingdom of Sorrow, which is completely different than I Am, which is completely different than my solo stuff. So I get to branch out and bring in different influences of stuff with each band. And as a as a guitar player, as a singer for Crowbar and a bit with Kingdom and obviously my solo stuff, and with I Am a little bit, I mean, my voice is nothing that, like Kenny's, but you know, I'm starting to... Uh, get get it in there a little bit. No, I don't even want to. They're kind of like, you know, man, you They're know. They're making you, yeah. They want you to be on the record. I, uh, I know. People want to hear your voice. And I'm like, ah, you know. When he opened his fucking voice to do Dreams I Was Down With The Sun, I'm like, you're the lead singer, dude. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, honestly, it's great to to be able to to do different things. You know, you might get burned out on the same thing when you're doing it nonstop over and over and over again without really much of a break. Even though you love playing the shows, you love touring and you love the guys, you know, it's kind of like an inside joke. Like the last thing, last thing you do when you get home from a tour is like go out with the guys in a band the next night or something. You know, you just need to get home, be, I mean, I'm married. I have a daughter. I have two stepchildren with my wife who has, I have two grandchildren by marriage, you know, and uh, it's like, you like to come home. We got four dogs. I like to just be regular Kurt that gets up, goes to the fucking gym, lets the dogs out, this and that, does stuff, you know, we go grocery shopping and just be regular, normal people instead of traveling and flying all over the fucking world, which is great, but, you know, you need a break. Oh, yeah, it's, it's daunting, and it, it drains you for sure. I mean, just, you know, but again there are things to be said where those in that lifestyle can get addicted to it and then once you're home you feel the itch after you know a couple of days weeks well, i already months. got the itch yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. october 6th and i've been in a studio you know with i am uh well for a 10-day stretch and then uh i did some stuff last night in the studio for i am but um and i love the studio the older i get the the more i kind of like it not because i don't love touring it's just the creative part of making the music is really like the secret ingredient to the whole thing. That's why like for myself personally, as much as I love playing guitar, I don't consider myself a great guitarist or anything because I don't sit around and, and learn other people's songs and practice. That might be better though. It might be a better thing. Well, for me it works. If I pick up a guitar, I'm either writing a riff, I'm at rehearsal, I'm playing a gig or I'm in the studio recording something you know, or I'm jamming in the process of writing music. And that's just me. Everyone's different. Everybody has a different love. Some people are are challenged or are intrigued with the challenge of what is actually 
capable what, what can you actually capable of doing on a guitar you know and i mean people like edward van halen although he was an amazing songwriter was also you know an innovator and and showed people like me who were 13 when van halen one came out that i thought it was three guys playing at once when i heard eruption yeah. i'm like oh these guys are great and the dude's like no it's like one dude i'm like it's impossible <laughs> you know, and then I'm like, you know, I barely even knew what overdubbing was. I'm like, well, obviously he's playing two or three things on different tracks, you know. And they're like, no, he plays it. I'm like, but it's impossible. Yeah, you know. So certain guys are innovators with the guitar itself as a musical instrument, and what kind of like Steve I or something, you know, the crazy noise that you can get out of this fucking chunk of wood with with some strings and pickups in it. And other people, I'm more of just like I like to pick up the song, the guitar, and create a riff, which in turn eventually turns into a song, you know. And yeah. like, the, the, I think the reason I'm enjoying the studio so much as I get older is, is I love the feeling because the way I write and the way we write with Crowbar, with with Down, with I Am, any of it, even King of Masaro, you know, we'll do. 12 songs in 12 days you know written and and uh and recorded and um the reason i think it is 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 one day like the you know i had an epiphany the little light bulb went off whatever you want to call it where i'm like it's really cool that when i woke up this morning this song didn't exist and then i'm listening to it right before i go to bed and i'm like wow it came out killer this wasn't here this morning when i woke up and now it's here forever you know so it's kind of kind of a really cool thing and i think that that's that's what really sparks my love of of the of creating the riffs and the music and the songs themselves you know uh and then once it's written and you get to go out and jam in front of fans and have a good time because playing live is a absolute great high and it's a, mm-hmm. it's an amazing experience and i'm very you know blessed to be able to do it you know and make a living at it too uh, but you know, it, it, things change a, a bit over the years, but in general, it stays the same. You know, if I didn't have the same feeling getting on stage as I do at 58 that I did when I was 18 years old and, uh, you know, I should have quit. Mm. I mean, we did, we did a tour in 2018 with suicidal tendencies and the last show was in Denver. Well, for us it was. They they went and did Salt Lake, but we had to get home and then fly to Europe like two days later or something crazy. But um, I was talking to Mike Muir like before they went on stage, and he's like, you know, Kirk, when you get older, like us, he's like, if you don't still love doing it, if you don't love doing it, what the fuck are you doing it for? You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, to get out and and do it, you know, to be in in a, a legitimate real band that puts out records and tours around playing their own music and stuff, it's like. You know, even if you're making a ton of money, if you're doing it for the money, you're doing it for the wrong fucking reason because money might be great and not having to worry about bills is a wonderful thing. But, you know, just, you know, you have to be as passionate as you were as a teenager when you first started doing this shit. You have to be as passionate now as you were then or you're just not getting it, in my right. opinion. You know? Yeah, you have to have a little bit of ever, of all that. Um I know that you, you, and I know you've answered this question in the last few months, but, you know, some time has passed, and I know that you had said that, you know, you and the down guys, or at least Phil, get together for Halloween and whatnot, and, you know, 
the word on the street is that you guys were gonna like you know get together and discuss some kind of future for future music for down or whatever and i was curious as to now that you've had that time uh with bill and you know and whatnot and i know he's focused on the reunion and you know that and i know you said that you hope they do that for as long as they can and and obviously i'm assuming they will because the the dates just keep coming out for them which is which is good but um did you guys kind of talk about the future of down or the possibility of music i know you've teased that possibly 2025 uh 24 25 there may be some i mean we we did and in fact um, my stepdaughter got married this past Saturday, December 2nd. So the week prior to that was just with my wife mainly, but you know, like family, just busy, busy stuff, getting prepared for the wedding and stuff. It was a, a, a very involved thing that was planned over the course of a year. So, uh, I know Jimmy and Pepper went over to the down, like down and Crowbar share one rehearsal room. So they went over to the down room and set up their shit and, uh, there's some stuff we need to get out of the room and put into Down's storage unit to make more room for both bands to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, to fit in there comfortably. Uh, so they kind of set stuff up, but uh, like, you know, I, I mean, I've got a ton of my gear there. So, I mean, all I literally, literally got to do is throw, throw a head on top of a fucking cabinet and plug in a few cables or whatever, and I'm ready to roll. So, uh, but, you know, we're trying to get some gear over into storage and get it out of our way and then i mean it all you know reality hopefully we can get together i think jimmy's on a short run with i hate god till the 17th of december then you got um you know the holidays so really yeah. it would probably in all reality it would probably be after the holidays but we want to get together and start doing it and there's even talk of doing a few shows here and there between these long breaks of Pantera not doing something. Okay. You know? And uh so I mean I'm I'm game for any and everything with all the bands, you know. I mean I just I like to stay busy enough, not overkill. Right. I mean this past year we did four four tours in Europe between March and August and that's a lot of flying and a lot of traveling uh in a van. Yeah. Uh and um you know, we kind of, in, in, in hindsight, you know, we kind of burned ourselves out. But uh, I got home October 6th from a U.S. tour, which we did 30 days. Th- we had two weeks off and did a 30-day U.S. tour after that. That was with Suffocation uh, and Body Box, right? Was that the It was uh, Primitive Man and Primitive Body Man, Box. yeah, sorry. Yeah. And that, that was a great, fun tour. And both bands were great, you know, cool guys, cool girls, working with them and everything else. It was really cool. We got along good, I thought. And uh, but I mean, I got home October sixth, and it's like you know, if I had to leave for tour next week, I'd be fine with it. I mean, <laughs> and then again, you know, it, it's my wife kind of gets where you know. Does she come with you on tour? Because you said she TMs in the she, states. She does. She's merchandise, and uh, in the U.S., she tour manages. Uh, so like uh, in the U.S., we get like a bandwagon boss. I don't know if you've seen that. Right. Yeah. Under talking and, about. Uh, it's kind of like a you know three quarter bus or something, like an RV ish kind of situation. Like yeah, a, like exactly. A bigger RV. It's a heavy duty RV. Yeah, a real RV. Oh, the table folds out. <laughs> and you, you know, yeah. I mean, it's heavy duty. It's built to be on the road, but um, it's a real truck. You know, like an international or whatever the fuck brand. Uh, but it's a real truck, 
Uh, but we use those, and I mean, it's really comfortable for us. The driver's got his own uh, sleeper in the in the in the front, and uh, it's just five of us in an eight bunk uh, bus. You know, with we got a full shower and vanity and toilet and you know fucking uh, direct TV and surround sound stereo and all this bullshit. So uh, microwave, full size fridge and freezer. So for us. Mm. It's you know we don't get hotels we just we live on the fucking thing, and uh and it's comfortable it's home when we're when we're doing it you know, but um and that's part of the beauty of the DIY thing is like we have room to spread out when it's just four band members and and Rob and my yeah. wife you know, uh a lot of bands will have you know all the bunks full and a guy on each couch and you know a dude <laughs> on the floor and all this other shit just because the budget doesn't call for it. And I've been there and done that. And there's nothing worse than like a, like a, a regular bus in the U S that has 12 bunks and then, but somebody's got to stay in the back lounge is theirs. You know, they live in there and then you got all 12 bunks full. It's like, you, you, there's nowhere to sit, you know, yeah. like the, the only, the only peace and quiet is your bunk, mm-hmm. you know, laying so, down with the curtain drawn. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. it. So, you know, back in the old days, I mean, uh, you know, even in Europe in the old days, we'd get we'd get nightliners, they call them, but a full full on bus. And um, you know, it was before cell phones and shit in the nineties. So it was before the euro. So it's like yeah, every day is wow. a different currency, you know. And, and, <laughs> and even to activate the phone to make a phone call back home to make sure everybody's alive, you had to have the proper coin. You know, you couldn't use a Deutschmark German right. coin. To, Neither French franc in France or whatever, uh, uh, what is it, Italian lira, whatever the fuck it was, you know. But um, shit has definitely gotten a lot better, to, you know, with with uh, the evolution of technology. Right. Where you know, call my daughter FaceTime from fucking Norway, and it's like, hey, what's up, you know. So it it, it makes touring a hell of a lot easier for sure. Was it ever a pain in the ass dealing with the like before they switched over to the euro over there? Was it ever a pain in the ass, kind of like? going from country to country because you'd obviously have like probably leftover uh hand money you know like pocket money you'd have leftover pocket money how often would you guys like go into the currency exchange rate places and just trying to i mean whenever you got to a new um you know i mean even if you just wanted i mean back in the old days like now i've come i've grown to to really love uh the catered food at over in europe it's it's real you know, they had like most of the venues, pretty much all the venues in, in Europe, not the UK, UK is different, but in, in the European countries, uh, the venues have a full kitchen. They make a proper meal for you and it's great food. You know, when you're, when you're young, you just want to hit fucking McDonald's and Burger King. And then, you know, as you get older and realize it sucks, Yeah. <laughs> you know, for me anyway, I'm like, I got, I, I can't eat that shit anymore. I mean, here and there. Yeah. But, um, but when you're young, that's what you want. You know, there's a McDonald's like a mile down the road and everybody's changing in money and we walk from down a mile, a mile in the fucking snow. No kidding. Yeah. McDonald's, you know, now it's like, fuck that. They got great catering at the venue. You know, I don't even need to leave the damn thing. Uh, it's great home cooked, you know, food. So, um, but yeah, it, it was a, it was a pain in the ass back before the Euro, um, uh, because, like I said, to make, you know, like at the time, I didn't even have a girlfriend or anything during that whole period of time. Um, I'd call my mom like every three days or so and just check. I had this I had this thing I kept in my wallet and it was like a, 
AT&T or something like 1-800 number you call and you press a button to what country you're in it will connect and she would pay for the phone call mm -hmm. I just had to activate it with a coin and but I would talk for like four minutes how's it going everything's going great oh, okay everybody fine yeah, I right. love you I'll call you in a couple of days yeah. bye that was it pay phones it's $50, $50 phone call right there <laughs> yeah pretty much you know sometimes back then the promoters would be cool and let you use the office phone to call home and shit you know um but um yeah it was you know compared to today it was it was really really rough like i i, I don't think uh if i were my age if i was my the age i am now 30 years ago trying to tour in europe i don't think i could do it mm. you know but being a kid and 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 just you know and learning as it goes i think I, people think i'm nuts but i counted since december of 1992 so basically 31 years i've done 54 tours of like europe uk scandinavia i just wow. loop them all into one big thing but 54 tours over there in the beginning it's, it's like you get over there you know nothing you're scared shitless you don't know anything you know and it was just weird you know not as many older people spoke english at all even guys you know you might have a german road crew guy that really had very bad uh english where now you know the younger guys that you got working or the older guys learned how to speak it a bit to help us out you know really out of you know we should be learning german when we go there so much German yeah, learning voice, whatever. but you know uh but you know whatever man um it's uh it was it was rough you know but you learn you live and you learn and now it's to the point where i mean four times in what, march april may june july four times in five months is too much i mean we were coming home for like a week turning around and going back we would have did better just like renting up an apartment or something yeah just staying abroad you know, it would have been cheaper than the flights yeah you know yeah. but um and i love it you know even my wife she loves like we love it over there you know we love we loved uh, UK and Ireland. We love Germany, Netherlands, right, everywhere. You know, France, whatever. I mean, it's and it's kind of cool because I watch more so Shane, our bass player, because he's thirty five. He's he's a lot younger, and he hasn't been. He's only been in a band since twenty eighteen. Mm. Uh, so more so him, but I watch him do what we all used to do, which was, oh, you know, as you could see a cathedral down the way, so. You know, you go walk and check it out. You know, I'd go two and three times a day, and I'd have a little one of those disposable Polaroids or <laughs> yeah. something. I'd have a, bag, a bunch of those in my bag. My mom would buy me, and you'd, you'd do everything old school. But we'd go to cathedrals and museums and climb fucking hills and, you you know, you name it, and see all kind of shit. And it's kind of like, I don't want to say, oh, I've been there, done that. It's just, you know, now if there's something close by, we have an off day in a cool city i like getting out and taking a walk you know yeah. and then usually on an off day now i like you know my wife and i like to eat like a proper meal at a real restaurant or something yeah you know? it's got a, hotel, a real restaurant it's cool to eat a real dinner and have a couple of beers or something get a good night's sleep you know it's got to be kind of cool having your partner with you along the way there and that leads me to another question because you guys are uh, not all of you like you just said you have a younger person in the band that's about mid 30s but now that you guys are of your age now and you know you're bringing your wife along do you and she i'm assuming she helps book some of the stuff with and manage some of the stuff with you but um do you guys kind of like set 
off days around places that you're probably going to be? Like, do you give yourself time to like see the sites and kind of like make it into kind of not only but a work but pleasure thing so you can do the tour but also do some sightseeing of some things that you haven't seen along the way because obviously you've been there plenty of times already over the decades. I mean, I mean like if if it's if it's possible sometimes and it's it's fucking miserable. I mean a good thing about doing like you know we're not at the point with crowbar and probably never will be you know where uh if we do a van tour we get hotel rooms every night so obviously my wife and i get our own room which is so much better than living on a bus there's not nothing worse than an off day on a bus parked in some fucking parking lot somewhere yeah. in the middle of nowhere you know and you can't shit on the thing, so you gotta find the gas station place. You know, uh, uh, three quarters of a mile down the fucking road, and uh, so the bandwagons still have that yeah. same problem. Then you can't, you can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it, we only use that in the states. It's easier in Europe. Everything closes so early, mm -hmm. other than like late night, you know, nightclubs and shit, or, or twenty-four hour truck stops on the motorway, or. You know, autobahn, fucking interstate, whatever you want to call it. But um, you know, like we try in Europe when it's not a drive day, which a drive day would mean like eight a.m. lobby call, and you get to the hotel at seven at night, and that sucks. You spend mm -hmm. the whole fucking day in the van, and you can't really sleep that much. But when you have a short drive, um, we try to do it in a cool little town at a hotel, uh, like. On off days, we pay for our own hotels. But if it's if it's within reason, and there's a lot of restaurants and and pubs and things and stuff to see around where we, you know we try to find a, a spot that everybody can go do their own thing a little bit, you know. Uh, so we try to do that in the states. Now we pretty much end up on an off day at a a Walmart <laughs> or a truck stop that's got stuff around it you know if you want to uber somewhere if you want to you know you can walk so there's proper restaurants and shit like that around uh and always walmart you know i mean love it or hate it and i hate uh, it but america it, there it is right that's there very evil uh on tour you know especially with the bandwagon because i mean the only time i eat real food that's not a wrap or a sandwich or something that I make myself on the bandwagon is on an off day. Mm -hmm. And Robin and I go, we'll find like, you know, a sushi place, a Mexican place, fucking just something real and go sit down and eat. And you, and the, the beauty of it is when you wake up on an off day for us is I don't have to do anything today. Yeah. You know, I just, I got to go in Walmart and shit, but I mean, other than that, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. Probably a few times, but, you know, whatever. But, I mean, I don't have to do anything today. We're here, you know. We can just chill and, and uh, you know, we, we, we usually take off in Europe and in uh, in the States. We usually take off Mondays. Mondays are, are pretty much proven to be financially the worst day of the week. For sure, yeah. Guarantees the lowest. Merchandise is the worst. The turnout's the worst. So we try to take Monday off. Um, and you know, then, so for us, it's either Monday night football or all the guys and now they got me into it, like Monday night raw, the wrestling. And shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. The other thing, I mean, the other guys like to smoke a lot, so they'll do their thing and I'll have some beers and watch it with them, you know, but I still try to get 
to bed on the off day at a decent hour. And the thing is, I don't really need to use my voice. You know, like a lot of times when I'm on a long tour, my voice gets ragged. After sound check, I'll just go lay in my bunk for like an hour, not even sleep, just chill. Just lay my phone down, close my eyes, and just like rest my voice a bit. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you don't realize it, but you just talking all day, your voice is ragged out by the time you even get on stage at 10 o'clock at night, yeah. you know, if, depending on what time you get up. Uh, but, you know, all in all, I mean, there's, you know, I, I can't complain about a fucking thing. So that's good. And, um, not last but least, but you know we've talked about a lot of stuff. A lot of one thing before we get off the European thing, because you guys and I and I just thought about this, and this doesn't have to be a long answer. You can say yes or no and tell me whatever country it was. But uh, because you guys have toured there, or you have toured there off and on for decades now, has there been like a country that you've played at that's no longer a country anymore? Like that has kind of changed into a different federation or a different like? No, by the time we got over there, it's like. Uh, Czechoslovakia was already Czech Republic okay. split into Slovakia and then uh, Yugoslavia is I think Slovenia and whatever the fuck so by the time we got over there there was already a Slovenia a Slovakia and a Czech Republic and then everything east from you know uh, Croatia and uh, I mean, we've done, I've done uh, Europe, I mean, Russia five times. We played the Ukraine. Uh, we've done, you know, Bulgaria a few times, Latvia, uh, Estonia. Um, fuck, you know, you name it, Bob, yeah. Romania a lot, you know. Um, That's mainly what I was thinking of, like, that maybe some of that land has changed hands. I mean, some of the stuff, I believe, like Ukraine, for instance, I believe was a part of Russia at one time and that's what's going on now trying yeah, to get yeah. it back you yeah. know so I mean there's territories but I think like I mean I haven't gone uh, in the early days the only thing and this is a little bit of a, it's a different subject but to answer your question no everything that I've been to in the last 31 years over there has already been what it is okay. right it had already broken up and become something different but um, the weird thing about the early days was without the Euro and without the EU, really, uh, there were closed borders. So mm. we did border crossings in, to get into Poland, and uh, we did border crossings. You still do one sometimes in Switzerland, but usually uh, there's nobody at the little station, so we just go, you know, we try to take like a... <laughs> small one a little like a different route instead of the main ones yeah and it's or not that we're you know bringing drugs or some shit it's or time anything. you don't you don't get caught but up there. They, well they tax they tax you on uh your merchandise that you have in the van mm. so regardless of um whether you sell it or not right you might sell one t-shirt and you can get your money back but you got to go and then put your card in and then it, it, it reimburses you and you got to wait, you know, five days or something. It's back in your account. But it's just a bit of a pain. But back in the early days, I mean, even going from Germany to France, it was like it was, you know, everything was pretty much a closed border. You had, mm -hmm. There was a border. Get your passports out. Get ready. You know, and I mean, they'd open up your bunk with a flashlight. They got your passport. They're looking at you. They got rifles and shit. It was like army 
you know, like yeah. military people coming in, checking you out to make sure that's you. And they all talk, you know, it's scary in the early days. And now it's nothing. I mean, we get pulled over here and there by, by the cops, uh, just, I guess, because they know it's a rock band, you know, yeah. but they're usually always like really cool, you know, that's cool. Um, guy and, and uh and we were leaving netherlands and going into germany and we all gave our passports and one of the german uh police officers told our tour manager in german he said he said something and, and our tour manager starts laughing he gives us the passports back and i i said i said what, what did he say he goes he just said god i didn't know kirk was that old <laughs> i guess he knew who the, you know who we were a crowbar or something yeah. so I'm like, well, yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, I guess. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, so let's. Uh, I wanted to kind of ask that question, but uh, what I really wanted to know is about the the uh, new supergroup here. You, um, I know that you kind of only recently met Kenny of Typo Negative. You know, uh, am I wrong in that? Like, you you met him on this project, right? You didn't know him prior. I mean, you may have known him, but you didn't like. I was checking something because it's been. I apologize. No, no, no you good. Um, Kenny, uh, Kenny from Typo Negative. You've only recently kind. Of, go ahead. You only recently kind of like met him in person for the most part, but you've known of him for some time and whatnot, right? Well, I mean, we met each other and hung out, you know, back in the day and partied it up a bit and stuff like that on occasion. Uh, same thing with Johnny. I, I met Johnny. Uh, Crowball were the were the only support for Pantera for the first like you know month or something of Far Beyond Driven and we did two nights at Roseland in New York City with Pantera and I was out in the crowd getting ready to watch Pantera and Johnny came up to me and he had just joined Typo and I'm like dude it's my favorite band you know so we drank some beers or whatever so we knew each other but just acquaintances surface you know, level yeah yeah well at all and then you know um now it's to the point where you know, we're like 15-year-olds back and forth on the phone all day, texting, sending files of different songs, and we should change this song to this or that, and talking on the phone. I mean, I talked to Kenny this morning for a bit. Um, so it's, you know, now just being, you know, the for the first single, the first song we did is a lot. Of, I mean, now it's kind of out in a lot of the interviews, but, you know, our friend Andrew Spaulding, who is the owner of, Corpse Paint Records. He's the one who put this together. Interesting. It was kind of like his dream thing. He wanted us to get me and Todd to get with uh, Kenny and Johnny and form a band. And the first thing we did is say it, we don't want it to sound like Typo Negative meets Crowbar, <laughs> and it doesn't, thankfully, uh, in my opinion. But uh, but you know, the first time we were only together for a few days, it was a lot of driving from one city to another we went florida and you know from a rehearsal room to a studio and you were in gainesville for, was that the, was that the time in gainesville yeah we recorded it in gainesville but it was literally like one we landed early in the morning and by the time we drove from orlando to like tampa area it was already like mid to late afternoon and johnny got in late so he came in and we kind of started fucking around with dreams always die with the sun the first uh single first song and video and then the next day we pieced it together and he he nailed the drums on it and then he had to fly out the next day mm. so on the day that he flew out we did you know kenny and, and myself and todd did uh, all the guitars and vocals and bass uh that day and then the next day we flew out 
uh so it was uh a real quick thing but when we first, we did the we got back we got together back in june in early july and we did 10 days in a row mm. um of like you know 10 30 11 o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night 10 days in a row so you really we really got to feed off of each other's personalities and learn how to gel as a band and how to work together uh you know uh as as a unit you know and 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 to know each other as people and know each other privately more so in our private lives you know and i think it's it's really a great thing truly that you know all, all the wives get along great and they have their own little chat that they do and that's a big part it, of it it's a big part well, of it well i mean look you know when you're our age i mean my family's a law man you know family's number one so you know it's great that all the girls talk and 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 you know uh uh, a lot of times Kenny's wife will come in and, and uh, Todd's wife will come in sometimes and for stuff for a few days or whatever and and check everything out. You know, we'll all go out to eat and stuff like that. And then Robin and I, I kind of feel bad because we live a mile away from the studio. So I'm like, they're going out to eat. And I'm like, no, thanks. You know, I got, <laughs> it's like, I, got, I still got life to do. Not that it's a vacation, you know, but right. I mean, I can't. I got to go home and let the dogs out and feed the dogs and do this and that, take the garbage out and blah, 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 you know, clean up a bit, do dishes, whatever it might be. You know, we still got life, life to do, uh, you know, life going on. But uh, so we've really, really gotten, especially really on the June and July thing was a huge kind of like breaking down any walls and just opening up where yeah. we really got along great and, and everyone communicated well and communicated well. And now we just got together again at the end of October and um you know we were able to I think get six songs done mm. on drums and written from scratch in five days wow and how much Ripped. how much material came from the previous 10 day stint like was that like how much um, four and a half songs but I think we got four solid ones but the thing is was uh because Johnny's so busy every weekend with uh, Quiet Riot he had to fly in later like kenny came in on like a friday so i had mm. like you know johnny came in on like monday and then you know i think we had we were working on on like a fifth song and it, we got bits and pieces somewhere recorded but in all reality if you include cryptomnesia the new uh, video single uh which was from the june july sessions um that just happened to be the one that kenny wrote the lyrics to and sang first so we mm. did that one first if you include that with everything that we have we actually have four songs out of that session that are completely done with drums and uh cryptomnesia of course is done and then we have six songs from the new session so we have 10 songs yeah i mean plus it's always die with the sun so it's it's there it's just a matter thankfully our studio i call it ours but i do everything there you know all, all of my stuff OCD recording and production uh, with Dwayne Simino. It's like a mile from our house, like I said. And um, thankfully, Kenny's home studio is compatible with mm. Dwayne's studio here. So Kenny can do guitars and vocals at his house and send them here. And I can come in and do my guitars. And, you know, I want you to do a solo here and I want this and that. Okay. And vice versa. You know, like I sang one last night that I'm the lead singer on. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah, but it came out. It came out good. 
it really did so kenny you know i talked to him this morning he really dug it and we have a lot more a lot of more a lot more ideas for it but um you know uh the working relationship has really gotten great and and just the whole all four of us in the room just works you know it, it really does yeah and the whole thing is is the chemistry is definitely there and everyone we're older we've been doing this so long and it's like you know everyone understands rule number one leave your ego at the at the door this is teamwork we're working together we're working with each other and you know and now i'm finding out the way every you know everybody i mean i know big todd of course but you know i didn't yeah. know johnny and kenny and, mm -hmm. and their styles and especially to write to write music you know to go in and have nothing and then to come out that evening with a song that's got scratch guitar and bass to it and yeah. the drum tracks are, are fucking phenomenal and you can listen to it and, and, and get the idea of what it can potentially become like i said earlier in an interview that's the beauty of it you know i can listen to that and go wow i can't wait till this fucker's done this is going to be great yeah um what i don't forgive me if you already said it but i don't recall that there's ever been a date or anything for any of this material to be released but it sounds like you guys have at least 10 11 tracks that you could press on to like a cd or an album or whatever do you are you guys still creating songs that you may have like that you may pick and choose which x amount end up on a record or are you just kind of like we're going to create these songs and then press like all of it to vinyl you know to a record or and when is the time frame for that um i mean we want to get it out in a, in a timely fashion of course <laughs> I think like you know as far as writing riffs i mean you know kenny lives in his home studio you know uh basically so i know he's writing stuff all the time but i think more like we don't we won't try and write i don't think a song without all four of us in the room and johnny is really turned into kind of like the arranger of the songs you okay. know and uh you know it'd pretty much be impossible to 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 write a song now that we found our formula it would be impossible to write it without all four of us sitting in a room together so we have enough material i think there's talk i think this is a better idea anyway there's talk of two eps hmm. versus one full length just because okay you release are they different sounding a little bit because obviously sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but because you yeah, have different chunks of time spent together where you created well, a certain chunk of music before and after is that maybe why you would like to do the two EPs? Because obviously, like you're saying, creating a formula and finding a way to write together, it would sound like the first time together maybe was one product, and then the second time together you had time to think about all that time that you already had done and all the material you already worked on to finalize, you know, to finalize a better structure or sound for that project. Um, great question, and it's sonically it's going to sound the same. Um, Cryptomnesia is from the first session okay. in New Orleans. And, you know, the new stuff we're working on right now, we have two of them done. Well, one of them is done, and then, uh, except for bass. And then one, uh, the one I sang last night is, you know, it's, it's getting there. But um, I think the 2EP thing is more so where, okay, you release Dreams Always Die With The Sun back in like the early June or something. Yeah, but everybody's talking about it, gets great response, and then it's forgotten. So you release Cryptomnesia, it's still doing great, but then it's forgotten. So, you know, with people's um what the fuck's attention the word? span. 
Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> it's man these days worse than it's ever been. It makes more sense to put out, and a lot of our songs are five minutes long. You know, it's like if we go out and do number one, we can play tracks that are not released yet, which will be on the second EP. We can also do a cover here and there, or whatever, to fill in. Mm-hmm. And we're not, I don't think, looking at this point to headline. We would like to support somebody and do a shorter set, you know, uh, and try to get the band established. I mean, just because you got guys in right, the quote, right. you know, metal scene who everybody pretty much has heard of, at least, even though the response has been phenomenal and it really has, you know, very, very positive. Uh, our response to what we've put out so far it's still like we're not in my opinion at least we're not in a position to be a headlining band mm. you know it's like we need to establish ourselves in a legitimate real band and build a following although we're lucky enough to have uh a lot of hebo negative and down and crowbar and king masaro fans who are digging yeah. what we're doing so that's a big big plus you know uh compared to a brand new band yeah that you know that just comes out of nowhere and they're in the labels really trying to push it so it's a huge you know huge plus to have that but um i think the two ep things more of an attention span and on having like a product bigger than just one song you know out and then you know five months later or something put the other one out and then now we have enough to play over an hour should we do some headlining sets or whatever some you know some stuff so real interesting and it's very humble of you all to not want to just come out of the gate and headline when you probably could have or could but um i mean if we did it would be i think you know it would be more beneficial to to the band becoming legit and having any any kind of a longevity which i really would love to have because i love writing with these guys i love what we do it's different than my other bands and you know it's 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 a lot of fun and it's great music um but you know i mean i think we would benefit more to support a bigger band and have more people see us and to play we would have to start at the very bottom and we have no problem doing that you know i'll play the fucking grand opening of a pizza hut you know in parking <laughs> lot fucking pay pay us the, the yeah. proper that's the diy yeah. nature of you i guess kurt yeah well i mean it's kind of i've always kind of used that uh that analogy, you know, they opened a new Shell gas station. They got free hot dogs and fucking fifty yeah, yeah. cents. Speaking of which, I'm sure you probably see on the internet or people show you that, like, you know, these newer, younger bands are playing like these weird one-off venues of like gas stations, Di- like the Denny's thing is with the first one. One, oh man, yeah. There's so many like new bands that are playing like Sonic Drive-ins or. Uh, you know, the Denny's one was a big one about 10 years ago. And then, you know, bands will start playing like gas stations and all sorts of shit. And, um, yeah, I was just curious as if you put your opinion on that, but obviously if you haven't seen it. You don't have an opinion. No, I mean, look, man, a, an honest buck earned is an honest buck earned, you know? And I mean, a gig is a gig. I've done them everything from football stadiums with Metallica, you know, uh, in Europe with down as direct support to the shittiest shitholes you can possibly imagine 122 cap rooms in the middle of fucking nowhere yep. you know early with a vocal pa or something you know and stay a stage with this tape everywhere with like you know uh fluorescent gaff tape with x's and shit don't stand here because you'll fall through the fucking stage you yeah. know <laughs> it's we've done everything possible so it's nice when you get a, a proper venue 
with a real product, even if it's a small venue, you know, it, it's great. It's it just needs to be a proper venue. The PA, yeah. the monitor system, you know, we don't give a fuck about lights. Just turn them on so we can see what we're doing. You yeah. know, uh, we're not that kind of band really, but um, it's not in the budget, I should say. <laughs> but uh, um, so to, to wrap, I want to kind of wrap this up in the next couple of minutes here. But I, you know, we've talked a lot about a lot of things, and um, we haven't even touched base really on Crowbar. But I know that you guys released your latest album in 2022 but you had sat on that for a couple of years in general. So I know that, you know, you probably got fans out there that are just, I know you're probably itching to put some more crowbar stuff out there, but I'm sure you have fans that are interested in what's going down the pipeline for that band too. Also, like you said earlier, I know you and Josta do this once in a blue moon situation with kingdom of sorrow, but is there any, you know, for those both, for both those bands, because you're a busy individual, Kirk, do you have any time set aside for any of those projects coming 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 soon? Um, I mean, Crowbar, yeah, of course. I mean, Crowbar is still my main focus. Yeah. Always will be, you know, from here on out. And quote unquote and, day job. Yes, well, they're all side day jobs. Right, right. Jobs, you know, uh, people say that, and I'm like. Look, I'm not against. I'll be a fucking Uber Eats delivery man. I don't give a fuck. You know, it's a buck's a buck, man. You got to feed your family. You got to feed your family. True. One is about. one is way more fun than the other, though. I'll give you that. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> but I mean, you know, my day job is just starting new bands. You know, like I'm never not doing uh, a solo record. It took me two years to do the first one. It took me about two years to do the second one because I can only fit it in one day every yeah. other week or something here and there in between all of the touring and other shit that's gone on. But yeah, I mean, for Crowbar, I mean, we're totally itching to get new stuff out. I'm thinking that for, I mean, the I Am is, is really written. So things are going to change, but the foundation is there. Yeah. So there's no writing involved with that. My second solo rap album is in the can, done, mixed, mastered, everything. Uh, got to figure out how it's coming out when it's coming out and shit like that but uh, all that's done and down you know is it'll be a slow thing but you know while while phil is is doing this you know we want to um to get to you know to writing and, and uh i mean the thing is is it, it's you know jimmy and 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 pepper and i can get together at fucking 11 a.m you know on a wednesday morning and fucking uh come up with a song by about three or something you know it, it it's 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 fun you know and it, it's something to do but i mean that's kind of like my day jobs i mean i get up unfortunately it's not by choice i wake up i tend to wake up between 4 30 and 6 o'clock a.m i got out 4 59 on the dot this morning but i was in the gym at 6 20 you know it's like that's my i have my own morning routine with myself and you know, I've completely changed my diet and this and that. So I got all my thousands of vitamins and all this bullshit to eat and let the dogs out and do this and that. And my wife uh, and I are on completely different schedules and it's not a work related thing. It's just a sleep thing. Yeah. I can't fucking sleep. I'm falling with, I'm trying to watch Netflix and Hulu series and shows at, yeah. at fucking eight thirty and nine o'clock at night. And she's like, are you sleeping? I'm like, Oh, well, you know, yeah, I got the same, I got the I same, I got the same situation. Yet. Yeah. I got the same situation with my partner. We're on completely different schedules, but it works. You know what I mean? I am, the yeah. late, I'm the late night person. She's the early morning person. Yeah. She's the late night. You know, I'm like, and the weird thing is I'll, I'll fall asleep at like nine twenty or something. And then I'll wake up at like 
10.40, and I got a piss, and I'm like, oh, it's only 10.40? Yeah. I thought it was like 3 in the morning. So I'm like, I'm obviously, like the other night, not you, last night, night before, we were watching this. It's I think it's a really good, was it was a, we, we, we finished it, the series on Hulu called Black Cake. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really done well, and uh, it was a good story and shit, and we finished. Well, we had one episode left, and I fell asleep like nine o'clock and got up to piss at 10 30, 11, whatever it was. And then I laid in the bed and I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of awake. I just needed my power nap happened at, yeah. you know, the time of the night. My sleep schedule is so fucked up. So we watched it and it's about, um, you know, almost an hour, give or take a few minutes. So we watched it. And by the end, I was like, all right, I'm now I'm taking the melatonin. I'm fucking, I'm out. But dude, I can't. You know, if I sleep till six, I'm like, yes, because yeah. there's nothing's open. I mean, Walmart, which I don't even <laughs> want to talk about anymore, is the only place open at 6 a.m. One of the groceries opens at seven. Walgreens opens at eight. The other grocery opens at eight. Thankfully, the gym opens at five. Mm. But I don't go that early. I don't like that. The five o'clock crowd, I went one time at like 5.05. And look, God bless him. I mean that with all my heart. I'm being honest. God bless these dudes and and ladies who have enough determination to. Mm. It's all like construction worker guys with these big ass trucks. It's like a traffic jam. It's pitch black outside. It's five in the morning, and they're all in there and they're in a hurry because they got to get their shit done yeah. and get dressed in their in their fucking Joe's plumber outfit and then go do their day job. You know, so hey man, more power to you for doing it. But I kind of let that clear out, and I've been going lately about 6.30-ish, between 6.15 and 6.45 is a great time. There's nobody in there, and, uh, you know, it, it, you got you can get to whatever weights and machines and whatever you need, and it works. But, yeah, that, the morning crowd, I was like, I'm literally, I'm like standing back. I'm like, I'm going to let these dudes do that thing, man, because they got to get, you know. I mean, I got the studio this afternoon at four. Yeah, you're you know, in the way, man. <laughs> yeah, man. All I got to do is eat, eat and jump in the shower before that, and I'm good to go. So, um, yeah, I was literally in the way. But. Um, last, I want to end off on this note because I've been curious for a long period of time. Uh, as a fellow bearded member of society, and I've also allowed my beard to get not anywhere near your length, but I definitely have had like a foot-long beard or, or so, 14 inches at one point in my yeah. life. How, when's the last time that you shaved your face in general, whether it's not, not bare skin, but like maybe took a guard to it and shaved like the 98% bulk off? Has that happened in the last handful of years or do you ever get? Probably around like 2006 or something. I mean, it's out of hand now. It's like, it's like I can't play a guitar. I have to put it behind the guitar or it falls on the, if I'm sitting down, it falls yeah. on the neck and mutes the strings. Right, right. Even like standing up, because I don't wear my guitars like ridiculously high, but I don't wear it like Jimmy Page or mm-hmm. Johnny Ramone low either. I'm kind of like a happy medium. Function over fashion for those <laughs> players. Um, but, um, you know, and being a short guy, you know, I'm not 6'3 or something with long fucking arms, so I got to wear it a little higher, but it's it's getting in the way. Like if I'm bending over looking at what I'm doing, it's kind of getting in the way, but I mean, I don't feel like cutting it. I have no fucking hair up here. You yeah, know? I always, I, I always wondered about like how the interference of like whether it's beard or even like head hair for people with like super long hair, how that affects you know their playing and writing. But um, do you trim it at all, or do you do anything special, or do you just one of those guys that like wakes up in the morning and says, "Fuck it, this is what it's got." Like no oils, no balms, no nothing. 
I mean, very rarely, and people give me a lot of it. Lot of <laughs> I, bet, I, bet. I bet. And I'm like, is that a hint, or is it just yeah, you know, being nice for that product? But I'm really more like, uh, you know, I I just take a shower and I just shampoo it, and then that's that. You know, I brush it, and uh, I don't do anything special to it. You know, uh, it just. It's just there. I mean, I trim around here. I can't handle it. I can't stand it in the mouth. Yeah, when when you're like, when it's getting, and it's still tough, like when I fucking eat. (laughs) eat It's just how I eat. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's not hanging in the plate or whatever it is, you know. So that's kind of a pain in the fucking nuts. It definitely takes like a level of dedication that a lot of people don't understand. And then what what I kind of... You know, I always suggest, like, when people don't understand, I'm like, well, that's because you probably can't grow a beard like that. Because not everyone can grow one, like, you know, like like you, like me, like, you know. I'm not saying that I have, like, a top-tier beard, but it's more full than most beards, right? So it's not long, but I do have the, you know, the body of it or whatnot. But, you know, when I had, like, (laughs) when I had the creepy, like, I had, like, a wild Duck Dynasty situation where I didn't let anyone touch it like i didn't want anyone touching the sides or anything like that it took me like years to figure out like okay if i trust like somebody to like trim it it looks way better and i don't want to my thing would be i just want to get rid of it after a while and i would assume like you wake up every other day thinking the same thing because you have to do all these things to you know live life you know whether it's like tuck your shirt in to play guitar or eat dinner or or whatever it's like one of those things i mean like, like honestly when when i trim around here with the clippers you know, I got like the little beard trimming clippers. I'll take it. Or my wife will. Like right now, this shit's getting out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Come off. Like she'll get all underneath and it feels so much cleaner after I jump out of the shower. But um, I'll take it after I, like I'll do it myself around my mouth just because it's easier. But like she'll look at it like right now, it could easily, all of that shit could come off. Which yeah. I don't see it, but you know, it's probably like, Two inches, Whatever, yeah, inch and a half. Because once it gets like so broken up and shitty at the bottom, I could take fucking two inches off, and it looks better. Yeah, fuller. It feels better. I don't. In fact, I might get her to do that here. <laughs> I got, I got some shit to do, and then I got to jump in the shower. But yeah, I'll probably get her to trim it a little bit because it feels so much fucking better. Without you know, I, I don't like when it gets out to here. Like, I see these live photos, and I guess it's from kind of jamming and sweating yeah. or whatever, and it's like, I'm like, Jesus Christ. It's like, you know, I got no hair, and then it comes right here, and it's just like out of the ear. Yeah, it's poofed oh. out. Yeah, it's it's too much. But, I mean, I like it, you know. I, once I started growing it, I started growing it in 2001 when we were doing the Down 2 record. And I said around 2006, I think Down had done our first uh like first European tour ever with down and we went over there and I think I'd let it, let it go for a while. And then when I got home, um, my daughter, my ex-wife, my daughter's mother, um, was like, you really ought to just trim it down. You're off. You know, y'all are writing the second down record and down was my main band at the time. So, you know, we had, we wrote and so I let it go for a while. And since then I've never, but even like looking at pictures, I remember with my wife, over 11 years no 12 yeah 11, over 11 years i gotta get that right but uh <laughs> you get in trouble it's well she we we both have it tattooed our wedding date on our hands so i can't forget it 
so it's February 7th, 2013. But we got together in like October 2012, and we've known each other since like the mid 80s. But uh, anyway, um, we look at old pictures, and it's only down to like here. Mm. You know, at some point, like I used to do just for men and all of that shit. And she looked at me and she's like, Babe, just let does it go. Think anybody really believes that you're your fucking hair is like I, I literally got the box with the black guy on it yeah like it's like it might be called jet black yeah it wasn't like i was trying to have brown or whatever my natural color might be wherever i do have uh you know a few hairs here and there uh and it was it was like goth black black number one shit or something yeah, yeah. Fun hilarious but uh it was just, and it just, one day I said, you know what, you're right. Everybody knows I'm old. I mean, let me just let it go. So finally, all that shit just grew out. So I, this is my natural color. For some reason, it looks a little darker here, but yep. it's pretty much white. I got a, that, I don't have a gray hair on my head, even though that's all I got. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not, I got a, it grow is not great. This motherfucker's white. That the weird thing about the beard is like I don't necessarily have a lot of white head hair either, but where I yeah. do, it's like no. big fucking chunks of white in my beard, and I'm only like I just turned forty this year, so it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm not gonna go the just for men look. I thought about it, but then I'm like, then you gotta it constantly sucks. fucking do it. You know what I mean? And that's a whole rigmarole. Yeah, that was, and my wife started doing it where like I had like two gray streaks and like the black the bit bits, and it looked cool in its own way, but I'm like. I'm not some fashion guy, you yeah, know, it's, it's just not me. So much more maintenance, too. Yeah, you know, but I mean, I let her color it, you know, I mean, but I used to do it with the comb, I'd comb it in and shit, it was a lot shorter, but still, I'm like, I get out of the shower and I'd look and I'm like, it looks stupid, it's fucking <laughs> jet black. I mean, it's like, you know, you can't get any, it's so black, it's blue, you yeah. know, it's like, you can't get any darker of a, of the hair and I'm like dude it looks stupid and she's like yeah just just quit it you know it's enough <laughs> plus I, plus I think right now in your um with the gray beard or the grayer beard you know that's kind of become such a staple for your your image crowbar's image stuff like that so I feel like if you were to ever even trim it back you know inches and inches it may yeah, like, I, mean, I, I wouldn't I mean I yeah. wouldn't you know it's like I, I mean it's it's I've grown to you know, like if you've had it yourself, like you said, really, really long. So there's that really uncomfortable in between part. <laughs> Once it gets this long, it's yeah. actually soft and it doesn't bother me. I'm just and you been, get you. I get so addicted to doing that. Like you've been yeah, doing yeah, it all. Well, you've been doing it all episodes. You know, this fucking interview. It's just, and I'm looking at myself in my little thing, but it's not like a vanity thing. It's a I'm just, I just do it. It's, know, yeah, I know. I agree. And I, I've done it. And then when I get it trimmed, it's like all of a sudden it doesn't feel the same. I, and then right. it fucking fucks with my head a little bit. And it's the whole <laughs> thing. But uh, Kirk, I'm going to let you cut loose because it's almost five o'clock. I've kept you on here <laughs> longer than I'd probably needed to. No, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I apologize for yawning. It's just no, you're all good. Early, man. It's like, geez. you're all good. You're up way earlier than I am. Like you said, you were up at fucking before five o'clock this morning. And it's 12 hours later. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, eleven here, but still, yeah, true. Long true. enough, and that's why my wife, you know, she's she gets it. I'm like, baby, you don't understand, but by, by you know, five o'clock in the afternoon or evening, whatever you want to call it, I've been up twelve. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, in uh, 
it's five. You know, if I can make it till eleven, that's <laughs> that's fucking eighteen hours. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't sleep long, but still, you that's know. what I that's what I tell my partner too. I'm like, you definitely because she'll she'll crash out like you know anywhere between nine and ten thirty. And she'll get up at like seven and I'm like, you sleep so much longer than I do in general. Like I only do like six hours on average. And then sometimes I'll, cause I, you know, I do have to get up in the morning and start like, you know, doing the website stuff, posting news and right, whatever. Right. So I'm trying to get up at least by 10, 10 30. And even then I'm like, I may have gone to bed at four or five, you know? So it's a whole fucking rigmarole. Yeah, my wife's the same way. Sometimes it's three and she's up at 10, but it's, you know, like she does, she was just taking a nap. And I had a noon my time interview, which would be one year time, and then I had a three thirty by you, two thirty by me. So in between that time, and I said, "Well, interview would be approximately an hour, so give her give or take." And she's like, "Well, let me sleep till then." I said, "Okay," but she does a nap every day, and I'm like, sometimes her nap begins at three and she doesn't get up till five thirty, and it's already dark and yeah. i'm like well that's why you're up till three that'll fuck me up yeah morning, like watching some you know shitty netflix uh foreign movie with subtitles or something <laughs> yeah. and uh i'll be like how how was it you know she should be like it was terrible like i'll get up to piss or something she's like it was terrible i shouldn't have watched it i'm like well it was entertaining you know mm-hmm. yeah, job you know a lot of those i watch if i watch them with her they start out good, and then the ending at the end, I'm like, fuck, I just spent an hour and a half Waste for that to happen, yeah. you know. You know, that's a whole other topic, but uh, it is what it is, man. But, yeah, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Dude. You're more than I, welcome. Time, time Kirk, I, I hope we have many, many more years of endless projects coming from your riff-filled fingers because I know that uh, you are one of the gods of riffing, so... Uh, again, thanks for your time. I hope uh, the IM stuff goes well. I hope we can definitely hear some crowbar down and maybe even Kingdom of Sorrow in the near future. That'd be cool. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Have a great one. Thanks, man. Good. Thank you. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that make titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.